Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I am your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where I'm going to walk alongside you and connect you with people and resources so you know that you don't mom alone. And particularly after this episode, number 318, I've invited back my friend, Mo Isom Aiken, and she is going to remind us of the possibility of true intimacy with God. And it's not missed by me that this is because Jesus sat with her there and offered her living water. And when she said, okay, I'd like that, wouldn't we? I'd like the grace. I'd like the empowerment. I'd like the refreshment. He reaches down to the very depths of her that need that the most, the spot in her that is most tender. And he says, okay, let's handle this first. And I mean, in handling it, she's also receiving the living water. So there's that. But that was what it seems like he did in my life, just day by day, piece by piece, memory by memory, issue by issue. He's like, let's go to the well today and let's sit down. And can I reach down and can we handle this part? And I had to resolve like her to say, even if this doesn't feel good, even if I don't understand this, even if I don't want to deal with this, stuffing it way down deep anymore isn't, it's never brought the fix. And so, okay, who are you <laughs> that you would know everything about me? And he's like, I'm, I'm the one who's come to heal that, that place. And so just step by step, letting him pull back those layers. Four years ago, Mo and I traveled to Israel, and then she came on the podcast to share her testimony of how, though her life had brokenness and hardship and woundings, that God showed up and that because of his presence, she is now living boldly for him. She also wrote a book kind of dissecting how um, sexual intimacy went awry for her and how God redeemed that. And now... In a couple weeks, she is launching her newest book, Fully Known, An Invitation to True Intimacy with God. And I think what you're going to love most, moms, is her sharing what life is like. She has three young children. She's about to have her fourth baby. And so she gets it. She gets the chaos. She gets just the constancy of motherhood. And in that place we have available to us the God of the universe. And I think you're going to be inspired by what she has to say. She is such a fantastic communicator. So let's get right to it. Here we go. Hey, Mo, welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. This is such a treat. I am excited to be on with you. It's been a minute. (laughs) It's been a minute. It's been a minute. And you've made so many children since we've last talked. And I love it. (laughs) I love watching your life and family grow. And so take a quick second and just go down the list and introduce the listeners to your family. Oh, sure. Okay. Husband, Jeremiah. The most precious man alive. He is the embodiment of the BFG, the big friendly giant. He doesn't (laughs) realize when he walks in a room at six foot five, like just a towering presence. He doesn't realize the strength he brings to a room. He is the most tender heart present. And possibly maybe the most like soft-spoken. I just love his blend of power and gentleness. He's incredible. We've been married, uh, I guess, six and a half years now. Yes. So cute. We have four humans to show for it. <laughs> it's been rapid fire. We have Auden Noel. She is five years old and over four feet tall. I mentioned he was six, five. I'm six, one. Our five-year-old is as big as an eight-year-old. We're a tall family. Wow. Yes. Auden's our firstborn. So wonderful. Asher Rain is another little girl. She is three, all energy, all physicality. She would somersault her way through life if she could. And she's our joy bringer. Our third, a little boy is Ronan Lee. He is so cute. He's dimpled. And so he won like right when he was (laughs) born. I said, if there was a trophy for cutest, you won it with those dimples. Um, <laughs> he is so precious. He is, yeah, one. He's about to be two. He'll be two in a couple of months. And then we have a fourth on the way who will be here next month. Um, another little boy. 
So exciting. So well, thrilled for you. you. You had four and you make it look amazing. So I said, here we go. It was all about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm, sure. I think, uh, I think y'all have a fantastic relationship and you've in the meantime, also burst. You're just about to release your third book, baby. And you came on the show years ago and we talked about your first book uh, and didn't get a chance to talk about sex on your second book. Right. I didn't know I'd be spending my ministerial life talking about sex. So, Oh my gosh. If y'all want to be ministered in gaining a healthy, just ideology, theology around sex and God's intention and healing from wounds, from past relationships and where that narrative went astray in your life. Personally, Mo gets it. And you share about your own story, about how God's healed you and just his, what he had in mind for our relationships. To give the listener, yeah, some context. The first book we jumped in on together was Wreck My Life. And that was my testimony of coming to faith through a lot of adversity, uh, a lot of, yeah, adversity, (laughs) trauma, um, and God's goodness in it that that brought me into the fold in college. Uh, But then my second book, I realized in writing Wreck My Life, there's a whole sexual narrative, a whole testimony that just parallels, you know, my testimony of these other pieces of adversity, encountering Christ, everything changing. But there's a whole layer here of just my sexual story and I can't sell that short in one quick chapter. This is going to have to flesh out. And so uh, my second book is Sex, Jesus, and the Conversations the Church Forgot. And it really, again, shared testimony, narrative of the very same parallel, brokenness, confusion, wounds, trauma, and then encountering the goodness of God and how everything changed. And yeah, all that he's taught me through that healing process and revealed that was really neat to see that one go out a few years ago and and the hunger, the felt need. There are so many people in the body of Christ that we need to be having these conversations and and framing them as he sees them. And as he desires, we hold them and carry them in a world that also loves to talk about sex, but maybe in a very different direction. So yeah, it's been such a journey. And, And really this third book, Fully Known, it birthed out of ministering in that space, hearing from people, walking with people and digging in even deeper with the Lord and realizing, whoa, there are even deeper layers to this that you are seeking and desiring we see so that we can know you even more intimately so that we see your gospel through, you know, this gift that you gave us, but we we limp through or get so wrong, man, when we can begin to understand it, we actually see the invitation to intimacy with him all the more clearly, and it changes everything. So he's been, he's taken us on this journey. It's like sex has kind of been the thread that's woven through it that I never expected, but uh, it's so beautiful when we begin to see his heart rightly. He's everything. Everything. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about, cause I was telling you just this burden I have right now for moms, for women coming out of a year of just a lot of weight. I had a dream the other night where I just felt the weight that particularly moms are feeling for their husbands, emotional, physical states, and kids coming out of this pandemic. And then all of our traditional places that we would go to for spiritual encouragement being disrupted maybe not even having the time and space that a mom might have had if she sent kids to school and now she's schooling from home or she's trying to balance work and her intimacy with God has been impacted and she's noticing it because maybe she was there and now she's not, or maybe she's never experienced it and relied on the traditions of the church to provide that. And you share in this book that you've gone through that. You've been in a place where you were just doing so much ministry. And like you just said, ministering to really hurting people. And I'd love for you to talk about that. Like what, what did God reveal to you about your relationship with him in that state? Yeah, it's, it's so real. So honest. I think when we can come to a spot where 
we recognize our need and maybe blind spots or holes or, you know, the humility to say, whoa, I'm, I'm overwhelmed, you know, and there's, there's gotta be answer. I I think my breaking point came, well, I remember specifically, I was sitting in the chair, the baby chair in my nursery, rocking um, my second child down. And I remember uh, if you had looked at my life in that moment, I was doing all the things for the kingdom of heaven. I was, you know, serving and yeah, like you said, ministering, sharing, praying, interceding for people. I mean, I'd given my body unto bearing these children. I was, you know, giving them my time and my schedule unto raising them up into, you know, marriage and what it looked like to, you know, walk forward as a, as a wife and grow in that. And it, it would have just seemed like everything I was doing was with the best of intention. But I remember opening my eyes, rocking in that chair and just realizing, God, I, I'm coming up for air and I have been doing so much in your name, yet I feel so far from you. I feel completely depleted. My, I'm dehydrated of living mm-hmm. water. I am just wrung about as thin as can be. Um, again, not with bad things, but I'm, I'm missing something because I'm burnt out and I'm, I'm overwhelmed. And the worst of all is I feel so far from you. And, and surely it can't be that you've departed from me. So what am, what am I missing in this you know, equation? What am I missing in all of this? And he brought back up this scripture to my mind that um, I had come across when I was younger in the faith. And it's one of those that makes us really uncomfortable. <laughs> so we, <laughs> we move past it very quickly and just rationalize that it's, you know, others who certainly it's speaking to, but it was in Matthew seven. And he just brought these words right back to my, to my spirit and really kind of invited me to wrestle with them. But it's the passage that says, you know, not all who say to me, Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who do the will of my father on that day, many will say to me, well, did we not prophesy? Did we not perform miracles? Did we not cast demons? But I will respond to them. I never knew you depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Hmm. And it just struck me in that moment. These words really aren't to the non-believer. I think that's what I chalked them up initially, you know, of, well, of course, the, those who don't believe in him depart from me. But I'm like, wait, these are the ones calling him Lord. These are the ones clearly laboring in his name. If they're casting demons, if they're, you know, prophesying, is this me? (laughs) That was really my, my question. And, And it seemed like the whole weight of that passage really hung on what we would stand to hear from him of, I never knew you. And I just sat back and I said, I don't, I don't want to live my whole life doing for you and never knowing you and never being known by you. What does that mean, God, to know you, to be known by you? And is that the answer that I'm you know, missing right now? And he drew me to the Hebrew of that word. I never knew you. Knew in the Hebrew, uh, that version of it translated to yada. And yada is, uh, by definition, it implies deep, layered, actually, as we would liken it, sexual in nature, intimacy. And that seems so strange to us, but it's the same version used when it's like, you know, and Joseph had not yet known Mary uh, and he took his wife and he knew her. As we see this context through scripture, that's the same version of new as what is used in Matthew seven. And I was like, this is uncomfortable. <laughs> I don't know exactly what you mean by that, God, but yet I, I, my heart understood what he was saying was of most of por- importance there. The ultimate will of the father was to know him intimately and to be known by him and to cultivate and press in to an intimacy with God that is all consuming. 
and you know, not based on our doing as much as our being with him, who we are, who he is, you know, allowing this intimacy that really takes us to think about, you know, marital intimacy, a vulnerable, exposed, honest place, yet draws near to us. And somehow this rhythmic, you know, coming together transforms our heart. And so uh, that's a long winded answer to say I was very much at that place and it was the exact spot that he found me and he invited me into a depth with him of knowing him and being known by him that was quite the opposite of performative intimacy. It was transformational, steady, kind, deep intimacy that was between me and him. And, you know, you mentioned a lot of women are, you know, in this pandemic, goodness, it's like our structure. Mm-hmm. He even called that an idol instead of the side right. you know, our, our gathering place that was even, you know, exposed the idolatry of where we've placed that he, I, I really believe we've been in such an hour of him saying, I'm pulling everything down to stand before you and to, to say, do you, do you know me? You know, is where do things stand with, with me and you apart from the glitz and the you know, glamour apart from the, even the community, which is a good, beautiful biblical thing, but not if it trumps our intimate knowing of him, you know, not if it takes that place. I'm so thankful that Mo is willing to go first and be bold about parts of her story and to share the broken places that she's been healed. I also know she's a fan of therapy and counseling. And if you are in that place, if there are parts of your past that you need help with, that you are stuck, that there's something interfering with you moving farther in your intimacy with God, I would love to offer you an option that kind of removes a lot of the barriers to entry. It's better help, H-E-L-P, help. They are here to help you overcome some mental health barriers or parts of your past. And the great news is that they will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist, and you can start communicating in under 48 hours. It is professional counseling done securely online, and there's a broad range of expertise available You can get counseling for your teen, for your marriage, for yourself. There are services available worldwide. You log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor and get a timely and thoughtful response. You can even schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you don't have to sit in the uncomfortable waiting room and try to figure out childcare. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches. So it's easy and free to change your counselor. Go visit betterhelp.com slash DMA for Don't Mom Alone. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Join over a million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and Don't Mom Alone listeners get 10% off their first month over at betterhelp.com slash DMA. Well, and I think it's helpful that your second book was what it was before right. you got to this topic, because I, for those listening that in the marriage relationship, sexual intimacy is, has wounds and is not in a good place or their past has a lot of wounds and not in a good place. Like the fact that you wrote that second book and acknowledged those and said, I'm right here with you. I think is not like you're just painting this like just be intimate with Jesus with God like right. you are in the marriage bed. It's like no, no, no. I get that this is complex, that this has so many layers, and the reason it's so valuable and complex is how much it matters to God. Right. That's why the enemy attacks it. That's why it's so disruptive, and there's so many wounds surrounding our bodies and sexuality. Is because it is this reflection of what's happening in the spiritual realm and why it hurts so badly and why even us talking about it, you may have been triggered in a way that you can't imagine inviting God intimately that way because there is shame that the enemy has layered over it for you. Right. And so if that's true, yeah, I invite you to buy that second book first. Yeah. It starts, I mean, while, while sex and Jesus 
that's just what I, it's a long title. <laughs> it's a long title. We'll just call it Sex and yeah, Jesus. Yeah. Sex and Jesus. Yeah. Um, while it very much, yes, presses into the spiritual places, it really is addressing so many of the natural things, at least what I had encountered in my story. And I think you're right. We have to, if we want to understand the deeper layers of spiritual intimacy with God, we've got to be willing to look at, understand, bring to him, work through the very physical, you know, layers of things that have impacted our life and story, because everything in the physical is ultimately served to shape our perspective of intimacy overall, and especially intimacy with God. And I don't know if we make those connections often, but I mean, goodness, to summarize for people, I would struggle with promiscuity, addiction to pornography, was even involved at one point unknowingly in an adulterous relationship with a married man. I mean, a lot of broken stuff <laughs> also under, you know, the this is important because the the exposure to pornography was by the way of my own father. And so under a father that, you know, I saw a lot of relational intimacy issues between he and my mother and marriage. And when I began to connect the dots and allow God to work through those physical layers with me, a very real healing that was needed and processing and deliverance. <laughs> I needed yeah. to come out of an addiction to pornography. You know, I mean, as he ministered to my heart and as he longs to in our lives in these areas, it's not just so, hey, you can check off the physical list that you no longer have a porn addiction. You know, you can check off the physical list that your marriage bed, you know, has been made pure. It is so that we can also see and receive the spiritually deep layers of how those things formed and misinformed our perception of God, of how they have been hindering our intimacy with God, of how they, yeah, have been our framework. And I really believe he wants to open our eyes, heal us and teach us, hey, this is who I really am. I want to know you, but I also want you to know me rightly. And I'm not your abuser. I'm never going to force myself upon you. I'm not here, you know, to be a performative measure that you get a quick fix off of because a great band and a great speaker were on stage. And this isn't for your viewing pleasure. Like this is how I connected it with even porn. That's counterfeit. Mm -hmm. um, I actually want to be with you. He just took me through the whole of how different areas of wounds or of trauma really were framing my perspective of him. And not just having hurt me in the physical, but hindering my ability to even be truly intimate with God in the spiritual and let him give him access to places that felt scary or vulnerable. And yeah, let's talk through that. So it's like if a gal's listening and she's like, okay, I want that. I've been wanting that. I I've been stuck or I've been in shame or whatever it is. And I want to give access, even if it's terrifying. I remember a moment in my own inner healing where I got this image in my head that I was like clinging to this matted, nasty fur coat, mm. <laughs> like, like it was around me. And if I let go of the lies I'd been believing, I would just be standing there naked and who would I be? Wow. And that was terrifying. Yeah. And yet when I did within milliseconds, I heard all these identity statements over and over and over of me, beautiful, loved, adored, like so much better clothing than the old matted fur coat I was clinging to that I thought was giving me the comfort right. and identity that was going to help me be the, the daughter of God that he made me to be. And he was like, no, just let me just undress and be before me and let me label you. And so what steps could you give or or guidance from your story on where I know the book, obviously, but like what helped you overcome that place and move forward? Yeah, that's so it's so beautiful. Um the very vision that you even received because that is the the heart of the gospel. When when we look even to Genesis Adam and Eve, what was noted of them when they stood in the garden with God before any sin entered in is they stood naked and unashamed before him. 
And the very purpose, the whole reason of Christ, of receiving him, of walking with him, the very work the Holy Spirit wants to do in us is so that spiritually we would allow the layers that we are hiding under the fig leaves that we ran behind like Eve, you know, the sin, the shame, the guilt to just be so lovingly pulled back piece by piece that we would be restored to a place of standing spiritually naked and unashamed before God. And that's how one day when we truly stand before him, uh, if it's in his return or if it's in our, our passing before then, it says we would not be afraid, but but our love would have been made complete. We won't cower. It wouldn't make us scared to think, oh my goodness, and one day I'll stand before God, you know, but we would have allowed the beautiful process of what the gospel came to do to have taken place in our lives and our hearts and our spirits now so that we you know can know intimacy with him but but stand maybe complete in his love before him and it's this incredible invitation and it's so hard and it's so holy <laughs> it's so hard you ask about the practical of you know what did that even look like in my own walk what would i speak over you know women who recognize that i'm hiding I think I liken it in my own mind to like when it is time to be intimate and we just like sprint and run under the covers or we want the lights off or we like, yeah. we yeah. don't want to really be seen, mm-hmm. but because you know what? We don't love the stretch marks or we don't love how things that used to point North are suddenly very <laughs> pointing South. Or <laughs> Hangy downies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, mm-hmm. what the rigors of life have done to us. Right. And think, I mean, as I say this stuff that makes these, you know, natural metaphorical connections, think about the spiritual. We don't really want to be seen about what the rigors of life have done to us, to yeah. our heart, yeah. to our spirit. But the invitation is like, draw near to me. And I'll draw near to you. He desires to see us and it's not to shame us and it's not to compare us and it's not to, you know, pull those layers off to then get what he wants and bail from us. That's what I knew a lot from college. So that's how I liken it a lot in my mind. I think sometimes we really think if we let Jesus take us to those deep, hard places, it is going to be for our exploitation, our pain, and ultimately our suffering. Because then he's going to bail when he sees the layered stuff that we're dealing with, the anger that we're harboring, the resentment that we can't even find the words to speak, you know, the shame of the abuse we endured or the shame even of our own choices. Uh, Man, I find that paralyzes me a lot sometimes as a mom, Mm -hmm. knowing One day, it's like it comes back like a punch in the face. One day I'm going to have to, you know, open up with my kids about X, Y, or Z. But what I really found in the practical was he's so kind and he's so patient. It is repeated of his nature in the word. God is patient. And he doesn't come to us and say, strip it all off right now. Give me everything you have. Yeah. He comes to us each day. And if we're willing, he draws near and he, and for me, at least he was like, let's, let's start here. Your faith is struggling because you're scared. If you believe for that, that, um, I'm, I'm going to need, I'm going to ask you to perform for it, uh, mm. earn it. Let's start there. Why do you feel that way? And I'm like, Ugh. because let me list off the men who, you know, right. like, And rather than think of the Samaritan woman at the well, when he did offer her living water, Hey, I have what, what can sustain you? Uh, What can quench this thirst? You're very thirsty. And I have that living water. When she finally decides, well, I want that. She moves through a little wrestling back and forth with him. But finally, when he makes that offer, she's like, I want that. But what does he do? He doesn't say, well, here you go. He says, all right, go and get your husband. And this is the this is the most painful point for this woman. Right. I don't have a husband. I've had five, you know, this is why she's out at the well drawing water at high noon. So she doesn't have to be seen. She has a reputation that precedes her. She has baggage to her story 
the, you know, the, the, the banner over her life in this town. And she says, well, I don't have a husband. And I would want to say, why are you trying to touch there, God? Like, why? Right. Like, it doesn't seem kind. That doesn't seem why kind, right? Seem kind at all. That yeah. seems like what everybody else does to me, that you would point out this crud. But she says, I don't have a husband. And he says, I know. You've had five. And the man you're living with now, you're, you're not married to. And what's really beautiful, finally, in this exchange, and we don't know the exchanges of her past, but in this moment, face-to-face by this well with Christ. She doesn't deny it. She doesn't run. She doesn't justify it. She says, who are you that you would know everything about me? Hmm. You must be a prophet. And for the first time in the whole of scripture, we see Jesus actually reveal the fullness of his assignment and identity to the sexually broken woman at the well. When he says, I'm, I'm not a prophet, I am the Messiah. I am the one who has come to save. I am the one who gives you living water. I am, I know everything about you because I'm here for you. And it compels her, the very first person in the gospels, to explicitly hear that he is Messiah to run off into evangelism. She runs back to the the same town with another man's name on her lips. (laughs) Think about it. She's the one who's had, you know, guy after guy in her story, but she runs back with another man's name. It's the name above all names. And many come to believe in response. And it's not missed by me that this is because Jesus sat with her there and offered her living water. And when she said, okay, I'd like that. Wouldn't we? I'd like the grace. I'd like the empowerment. I'd like the refreshment. He reaches down to the very depths of her that need that the most, the spot in her that is most tender. And he says, okay, let's handle this first. And I mean, in handling it, she's also receiving the living water. So there's that. But that was what it seemed like he did in my life, just day by day, piece by piece, memory by memory, issue by issue. He's like, let's go to the well today and let's sit down. And can I reach down and can we handle this part? And I had to resolve like her to say, even if this doesn't feel good, even if I don't understand this, even if I don't want to deal with this, stuffing it way down deep anymore, isn't, it's never brought the fix. And so, okay, who are you <laughs> that you would know everything about me? And he's like, I'm, I'm the one who's come to heal that, that place. And so just step by step, letting him pull back those layers. Well, what I hear, I hear from you is for this gal, I think there are so many barriers that we set between us and intimacy with Christ or that our past brings between us and Christ. And the step is the bravery, the awkwardness, the vulnerability of coming to him and risking because there is no man, as amazing as your Jeremiah is, there's no man on this earth that will perfectly reflect Christ or God's character to us. Right. So we have many, many examples of where we've been vulnerable with someone and been hurt. And so if that is your barrier that that you are believing, I don't, I don't want to feel that again. I don't want to feel that rejection again. I don't want to feel that pain again. The the bravery required for that intimacy is to bring it to Christ and encounter him. And that requires time, mm-hmm. like actually setting aside a time. Right. And quiet, I feel quiet and simply asking the question, like, yeah. what, what is it for me, God, that you see as in the way of or that you already know is in the way of my trusting you, my believing your love for me, my identity that's found in you. And I promise if you quiet your heart and your mind and you just let something pass into your mind, it it may from an outsider seem like, wow, that was harsher than I would have said, but it's kindness for him to bring it to mind because he can handle it. Right. Her past relationships were not too much for Jesus. That's why he's like, I already know about it. It doesn't matter to me. (laughs) It matters to you because other people's perceptions doesn't matter to me. Y'all, Mo is about to break it down for all of 
us busy moms and how do we really connect with God in our daily lives. And for those of you who are struggling with getting dinner on the table every night, I want to offer to you something that's helped me and I have a great addition to it that's even better. It's Prep Dish. And basically, it's a registered dietitian and chef who maps out your family's meals each week. And you could technically prep all of the ingredients that you need for the entire week's worth of meals in one afternoon. But even better news, there is a latest offering from Prep Dish. All Prep Dish subscribers will now receive a weekly super fast menu. In addition to their normal gluten-free, paleo, low-carb menus, super fast menus take only an hour, an hour to prep. That means that I can easily fit in the prep after lunch or even on a weeknight if I don't want to do it on the weekend. And then I'm spending less time in the kitchen during the week. So I have time to be fully present with my kids, to guide them in discipling, to have my own time with God. And If I have more time that week, I could choose one of the other three menus to prep. If you've thought about trying Prep Dish, but you've worried that you wouldn't have time to do the prep, now is a great time to check out this free trial. The founder, Allison, is offering Don't Mom Alone listeners a free two-week trial. So go check it out at PrepDish.com slash DMA for Don't Mom Alone for this amazing deal. Again, that's PrepDish.com slash DMA for your first two weeks free. And let me know how you like it. I think sometimes, especially as a mom, we're just busy. We're, we're women. And I, I resonate with Martha. There's a lot to do. There's like, <laughs> well, you have a lot of little kids. So I would, I mean, for that mom, yeah. How do you make that time? Right. That's the beauty. I, totally cannot take credit for this. I either read it or heard it more recently. And then now I've regurgitated it to about 48 people because it (laughs) ministered so deeply to my heart, but I need to note, this is not my own revelation, Okay, but I recently came across an unpacking that was so beautiful and profound because we hear this stuff. And so then we hear, okay, intimacy. So I have to, you know, I need to make the time. I need to clear the space. And these things are true, but they also suddenly feel like another to-do. Yeah, that's the so list. true. And so start true. all down the priority list when it also is keeping people alive. <laughs> like that is up there. For real. And just all the demands and the pulls of life. But I heard um, you see a very clear difference through the scriptures between um, men and women. Hmm. When men are coming into the presence of God, there is an, a great effort. There is a pursuit. There is a going to the temple or going up the mountain or out into the wilderness. There is an actionable effort that is required of the men, especially when we look Old Testament, to come into the presence of God. But when we look at the women over and over and over again, we see that it is actually the spirit of God, the presence of God that came to them. We see Hagar, who, you know, defines him as Elroy, the God who sees because he comes to her in her hour of need. We see Mary in prayer. The spirit of God comes to her and life is conceived in her womb. We see instance after instance. I mean, think even of Mary Magdalene as she's out you know, searching the tomb and distraught. Is it not Jesus who then comes to her, Mary, and it opens her eyes to the resurrected Christ. He's, you know, outside the tomb, even the woman at the well, Jesus was there first waiting and she came to draw water. Uh, and he was, was there and encountered her. And so in the midst of her goings and comings, and what this was talking about was the, why do, why do we see that? And this person reasoned because there are great requirements on women's lives. They're the caretakers, they're raising the children, they're tending to the home, they're cooking the food. There is a lot that is very important that many depend on them for. And so Is it not the very nature of God to see that and acknowledge it and come 
into the midst of to commune. And I was like, whoa, because yes, it's when I'm washing the dishes. It's when I'm doing the laundry. It's when I'm in the shower, always in the shower. Well, Great yeah, yeah, revelations. That's the quiet but space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have no ability to write it down. <laughs> <laughs> you need to get one of those, those whiteboards in the shower. Yes. Somehow. It you need. Need. <laughs> they make something like that. So I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's real. Yeah. yeah. But it is, there are few things in life that I can tangibly set down to carve out three hours to spend in the presence of God. Mm-hmm. My, my thought there would only be framed by the fact that, that perhaps his present, his presence like eludes me unless I do X, Y, or Z. No, he is mm-hmm. with us. Mm-hmm. He is within us. He is in our midst all the time. Most of the most powerful times of intimacy with him, where I start working through something with him or hearing from him, are in the midst of my goings and comings. And it's how he instructs us to teach our children, even of his word, as you rise, as you lie down and your goings, as you're coming, there's this active nature that we're even given as commandment to raise our children up in this active relationship. Well, it's very much the same of his character and his heart and nature for us. He just wants to be with us for us to give him that space to welcome him in, in our rising and our lying down and our goings and our comings in the very flow of life. And I think sometimes we, there is a very reverent nature to prayer. Don't get me wrong. I've just learned of this twofold beauty of prayer. One is where I am able to carve out, set aside intentional time. There is a reverent nature of coming before God and communing with him and listening, you know, as he speaks back. But there's also this beautiful layer of prayer that I found that is very conversational. And you might think I'm schizophrenic all day (laughs) long because I'm just regularly in conversational intimacy with God that wrestles through stuff. And I talk to him like a friend, like my husband, like, you know, someone who I trust Mm -hmm. and bring my questions to. And that happens all the time. Yeah. You know, I just think sometimes we need permission as women to remember that of he is not looking down on us because the rigors of our life in certain seasons make it really hard to carve out space. He is with us and he, he wants us to simply open our eyes and ears to that truth so that we can recognize who's in the room with us (laughs) and not be so caught up in our labors and our efforts that we've, we've Martha and we've missed the beauty of what Mary brought to the table too, of recognizing who was in the room. Mm. And um, man, it's just a really cool invitation. And the driving around and the shuttling and all of these places, every moment is an opportunity to press in with him because he's he's with us there. I've, again, shared that with like 48 people. <laughs> it just left me crying. Like, it's so true. It's so true. He He's usually met me, especially in my process of healing in some of the most unlikely places and unglamorous places. He does, he does really holy work in, in quiet, unseen caves and places. And he wants to do that in, in all of our lives and for us to see him there because he he's there. We just need to open our eyes. Yeah. And I think having met with women who've been in the church a long time, who've been in all the Bible studies and and they're finding themselves in a stuck place. Like they've been going through the motions for a long time, but they're just not at that next level. It may be like a moment of prayer with friends and community to kind of unearth those rooted lies or things that are people that are getting more attention than God is in your life, in your heart, in your mind, in your soul. And then you have like, typically when I pray with people, we we get to a place, a, a meeting place with Jesus where they in their, in their mind or in their souls are, are like hanging out with him. And it's different every time we pray, but then it's like accessing that becomes a throughout the day thing because you have unearthed what's inhibiting and you've done that like a one-time or multiple time thing. If I know for me, it's layers, like another layer reveals itself, not one and done in my spiritual life. And so he is always accessible. 
Right. But often on our end, there are lies or blocks or wounds or or past relationships that keep us from recognizing he's right there. Mm-hmm. It's this beautiful ebb and flow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that I think our challenge can become when we freeze in one of those spots, when we become dependent all the time on others to feel that spiritual connectedness, or when we become so isolated in our own walk that we are missing the beauty of the body Mm -hmm. and what God wants to do and is doing in and through his people. And it's why, you know, if we summarize all the law down to the greatest two commandments, there's two there. It's not just one of, you know, either love the Lord, your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, just you, just you go do that. Uh, or love your neighbor as yourself. So it's, it's only communal. Mm. It's a, it's a both. And it's this ebb and flow. And when we get one, right, we begin, it only enhances the other. So when I'm learning and able to navigate greater personal intimacy with God, he is showing me and revealing to me how to love my neighbor all the better and how to welcome them into that space. And then when I'm learning to love my neighbor, how we do life as a body, how we bear one another's burdens, intercede for one another, you know, walk this together, it only excites me and draws me deeper into and activates me really and helps clear blocks and gives me fresh eyes, you know, to then navigate even greater intimacy with God. And so it it is this both and ebb and flow, like cyclical thing that, you know, is only enhanced by engaging in both ways versus just one. And um, yeah, we need him and we need one another, uh, but it's remembering that beautiful balance. So we don't become codependent on others mm-hmm. or isolated from everyone else. Yeah. Um, so true. Yeah. How do you weave what you've been learning about intimacy with God into your relationships with your kids and how you're modeling discipleship with them? Oh, by showing them how to just be <laughs> In our weakness, we're being strong. <laughs> like, with, like, um, are you guys praying as you go along the way? Like, model this for people because it may be so natural for you and your family unit, right. but foreign to someone who's never had it modeled for them. You're creating it. Maybe you didn't have it modeled for you, Mo, in your home. Right. So what did? how did you come about, like, doing this as a family? Yeah, I would say um, almost just to even grow off of the previous answer, it's it's been this beautiful learning of the ebb and flow and the both and. So there are um, ways in which we are incredibly intentional about teaching, modeling, uh, cultivating, and displaying very openly for our children what it looks like to walk in intimacy with God. And so there's intentionality in our structure in that in the mornings, most every morning, we um, spend time in worship together as a family. Okay. So y'all are like singing, like you've got worship music on. Are you playing the guitar? No, nope. YouTube, pop it open. And we go through a handful of worship songs. Love that. So the kids love to sing and dance and sometimes just watch. And sometimes, I mean, goodness, the other day, Auden was, my oldest was just laid out on her face in prayer during worship. And I'm like, wow, this is beautiful because other times you're doing backflips on the couch and it's <laughs> you know silly and fun, but that's also just the beauty. I just want to intentionally show them, Hey, there's a portion of our day and, and it's in our home, the first fruits portion that we're going to spend some time intentionally, you know, focusing our hearts and posturing our hearts towards what matters and thanking God, you know, and being in his presence. And we have a prayer board up on our mantle that we keep prayer requests from, you know, our house church fellowship and our own needs. And we invite them into who, who, who do you want to pray for today? Here's what the needs are like, just really intentionally involving them in that process of communal, you know, relationship with God. Uh, Also not being intentional and not hiding our own need for him, mine and Jeremiah's, there are plenty of times my kids have seen me very vulnerable and 
having to stop and sit down, cry a little and pray out loud. And sometimes just claim the name of Jesus, like, oh yeah, when it's too hard. Um, but at the same time, there is, you know, intentionality that we work into reading the word of God and to worshiping together and to praying together. But there's also that, you know, that ebb and flow, that balance of uh, the beauty of what, again, kind of like this dual prayer thing, the beauty of what relationship looks like and that it doesn't cease. It doesn't stop for us through the day. It isn't our, you know, hour of God time in the morning. And then we're living hypocritical lives mm-hmm. after that. Like, yeah. It is an all the time conversation in our goings and our comings when we're loading up in car seats. I mean, my three-year-old asked the sweetest and most random question the other day after we'd just been driving quietly because it came to her mind, you know, Mm -hmm. is, you know, God and Jesus bigger than that tree? Like (laughs) she's trying to understand the size, the grandeur of God. Like, and so we start a little conversation then, like, same goes for talks of sexuality, of sexual health, of, you know, building blocks of foundational things. It's not a one-time the talk when my kids turn 17. It's a, let me take any opportunity to teach and just speak truth about these foundational things. And let me make it so relational that when my kids start having big, real questions or hard challenges, it's totally safe because this is how, this is how we just do life. Yeah. Um, so. It's both. It is the intentionality and then the beautiful, I won't say casual nature, but just really modeling it. Yeah. Modeling it. Yeah. Talking about it, not being afraid to answer hard questions, not living hypocritically. Our kids study our lives. If we are going to sit there and carve out an hour, hour and a half in the morning to worship and prayer, I better be living like that makes a difference in my heart. And they, they'll, they see that. And so it's a, it's a beautiful and learning curve balance of both, but I didn't always see both in my own home. So it's something we get really intentional about here. And I want to drop real quick. If y'all heard Mo say, I want to talk to my kids about sex. I don't want to be a one-time talk. If you need guidance on that, I have done several episodes with my friend, Mary Flo Ridley and her partner, Megan Michelson from Birds and Bees. And they have a fantastic curriculum that you will feel so equipped and excited when your kids ask questions, that this can be an ongoing conversation that you have your family values that you just repeat. And I'll tell you what has been, I have not been fearful of that topic in our home because of Mary Flo and Megan's equipping. So I just wanted to plug that in there since we were having that combo because I know that's tough. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah. It's it's so beautiful though because the more we allow and cultivate, you know, that intimate space in our own hearts with God, the more free and emboldened we feel in navigating these harder conversations. Mm-hmm. We're not we, yeah, we don't feel like we have to defend it because we understand right. it a little. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or just hope somebody else will talk to our kids <laughs> about it or you know, whatever it may be. It's why, even as moms, it's so essential that we we work through these hindrances we feel by way of intimacy, that, that authenticity in our relationship with Christ really is what leads us, that we wouldn't be afraid. Well, here, I never knew you, but we will so press into intimacy that that, you know, that love is made complete in our own hearts, that we would stand before him in full confidence. Because when, when we allow that intimacy with him to permeate our lives, it can break generational cycles of Mm -hmm. struggle. It changes our family tree and our, the future for our kids, because we find the freedom and the boldness and the healing and the answers to walk forward and truly shine his light and cultivate the real conversations and, you know, have modeled for our children what this looks like. So, you know, at least in my story, they're not scratching their heads when they're young adults because they didn't see or hear it or experience it you know, in, in a way that they could understand. So it's just this beautiful opportunity for to even affect our future. God doesn't ever bring us somewhere for the gospel to stop with us. Yeah. He brings it to us. So it transforms us and goes out through us. And I want that for every mother, for their marriage and for their children and, 
for all the things that they've been carrying and have felt crushing, man, that we would remember his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And it begins with, you know, intimacy with him that changes things within that we learn uh, how to walk forward and steward these things rightly and trust him for the parts that are his and carry well the parts that are ours. Mo, I love having you on the show. I love talking with you. You have a special anointing and none of your pain or your past has been wasted. I cannot wait to continue to watch God grow in you and through your family. And I would love for people to connect with you. I will put links in the show notes, but can you say real quick, where can they find you online? Sure. Yeah. I'm on Instagram um, at Mo Isom and uh, my uh, my website as well, moisom.com. I'm on the other places, but in <laughs> kind of where I like to hang out the most. I'm very negligent with my social media platforms. Um, it's okay. That's okay. But, so yeah, they, yeah, made a name still. Mo Isom is the handle and the web address and would love to, to connect with people and hear from them. And, and the name of your ministry is Bold. Bold Life Initiative. Yeah. Bold Life Initiative. We just Y'all. call it Bold Life. I love it. I love <laughs> it so much. Thank you for being here. When does the book release? April, April 6th is due date. So we'll push a book out on the 6th and a baby out on the 24th. You pray for us. Oh my gosh. Mo. (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay. Yes. Y'all, when you think of Mo, pray for her. Um, Well, thank you again. And I hope we get to see each other face to face, maybe in Israel. Yes, I would love that. Thanks, y'all, for joining us today. Mo has an incredible testimony. Definitely go listen to episode 168 if you haven't listened to it before. And check out her newest book, Fully Known, coming out in April. Uh, And I'm going to pray over us because I really feel like there is a shaking up, a disruption that can guide us into deeper intimacy with God through the Holy Spirit. So let's go to him. God, I thank you for Mo taking time and energy to put this book together, to invite all believers into the kind of relationship you desire for us to have. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would meet each person listening to this in your own unique way. I thank you, God, that you always show up compassionate, kind, gentle, loving, and that your goal is for each person to know how you see them and the purposes and plans that you have for each of them, that they would see the value in what they're doing right where they are, that there is not a ranking order in your mind of one person being more valuable than the other. I pray that each mom would feel your presence right now, that you would show up in a unique way for her. I pray that we we would, in our moment-to-moment days, recognize that you are with us and that you care. And Jesus' name, amen. I do really desire this for y'all so much and hoping that I can do more episodes on the journey of um, just healing prayer and all that's available to us uh, promised in his word. Okay, so if y'all haven't heard, we have a party going on over in Patreon, a Don't Mom Alone Insider. You can join us there. Uh, We've got Strength Finders teaching from Bruce and I. We are going to start our mentoring moments where I'll be chatting with our patrons one-on-one and other y'all can listen in. And it's getting close to book launch time, y'all. So I'm going to lean on your help to be the ambassadors of Don't Mom Alone. So join us over there, patreon.com slash Alone. And next week, I will have my friend Carissa Fry back on the show. If you have not listened to her episode on the window of tolerance, your prep work between now and next Monday is to go listen to that episode. It's so good. It will change how you interact with your kids. She is a therapist and um, an expert on regulation and all the things. And so I'm going to interview her about play and kind of help us moms remember how to play and how to interact and play with our kids. So join me back here next week. So thankful for y'all. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Don't Mom Alone podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more people and more resources to help remind you that you're not alone, 
head over to don'tmomalone.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guests. Most importantly, I want you to know the good news, the great news that you're not alone because God has promised to always be with you. With faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died for you and rose again, Jesus said when he left, he was going to leave a helper, a comforter to be with us. God in us, moms, that's superpower. So while you're washing dishes at your kitchen sink, while you're driving to and from work, while you're feeding that baby late into the night, while you're cleaning sticky floors, God promises to be just as present with you as when you're worshiping in a church pew. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Now that's good news. Have a great day.